Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, motorcycle, boat, whatever it may be. They're the best in the business. Purdy Insurance. They'll save you money wherever they can. Make sure you're fully insured. Update policies. They're great. Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, almost worth online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. Is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online, sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day. Brady motion left to right. We move right to left. Here's Brady's pass. Claude ball. Touchdown, Mike Evans. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Fire the cannons. Where are you? <laughs> it's our, my old friend, Gene Deckerhoff. She's unknown Gene for, why do I know Gene? 33 years, uh, 33, 34 years I've known Gene. One of the great guys. He does both Florida State and Tampa Bay. Uh, great announcer. Great guy. All right. Uh, we'll shift gears, stick on football, but shift gears for the moment and bring in the head football coach at Bucknell, Dave Giacchini. Dave, welcome. It's great to have you back. Yes, no, Matt. One thing, Matt, I don't have my screen, so I don't know who we have. All I'm getting is a message and not – so I don't know who we have. Well, we have a Dave, but not – but the wrong Dave. Dave Rebson now we have from uh, BTN. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, we have uh, – we had to scrap uh, Dave Cicchini for today. Oh, okay. Well, well, I'm thrilled to talk to Dave Rebson, my old friend. Dave, welcome. Great to have you with us. Uh, most people are disappointed when they find out I'm not the football coach at Bucknell, Steve, but – You've handled it pretty well. Yeah, I, you know that's okay. Um, <laughs> if you want, you and I can I'd like sit to be. Yeah, okay. I, I think I do a heck of a job. I mean, I mean, I can make up yeah. a whole bunch of plays and then look around and go, "What do you guys think?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, those cannons were fired a little too much yesterday for the liking of this Chicago Bears fan. But. Yes, they were. Oh, uh, uh, that that happens Frank when Rack. it. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, this was a slice of history on Saturday. Uh, as you watch this play out in the old BTN studios, what did you think watching this game Saturday? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know where to begin. We were um, – I think there was like a point in the third quarter where we looked at each other and said, you know, Illinois might win this game. Yep. And then we got like mid-fourth quarter, and we said, you know what? Illinois deserves to win this game. And and that was kind of an interesting shift for me. But I think that was kind of the big thing that that I tried to emphasize, especially kind of for what we do 
you know, we are in the business often of kind of catching people up on games they didn't necessarily see. You're a Big Ten fan, and maybe you watch your team, and then you turn to the Big Ten network afterward to kind of see everything else that went on. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of one of the big points of emphasis for me was Illinois deserved to win the game. I'm not saying they're the better team, but they were the better team Saturday. And, you know, they were, uh, you run for 357 yards. You dominate the line of scrimmage in the way that they did. You deserve to win the game. It's really that simple. So, as to how it happened and, uh, you know, why it happened and all that, uh, we can dive into that. But, but I think that mm-hmm. was kind of our, our big thing was just Penn State flat out didn't play well enough to win. And then, of course, there's the discussion of the overtime and the format and whether or not this is uh, the greatest format in the world for <laughs> deciding a football game. And I'm sure you and I can get into that as well. But that was kind of the nature of our conversation was, was just kind of the idea that Illinois deserved to win. I mean, I know Illinois only got into the red zone twice all day, and they only scored 10 points in regulation. But I kind of felt if you're looking at Minnesota, Maryland, and Illinois-Penn State, I thought that P.J. Fleck and Brett Bielema in a lot of ways did the same thing. They shortened the game. Is that how you looked at it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I guess I'm just old school enough to believe that if you dominate the line of scrimmage oh, you could win the game yep. and Minnesota Minnesota's a great line of scrimmage football team they are really good mm-hmm. on both sides uh, Illinois isn't so much <laughs> but uh, yeah. they were on Saturday I mean they were better at running the ball and they were better at stopping the run I hear you it's not as if they marched up and down the field I mean I, I understand kind of your point there was a lot of there were a lot of yards in between the 20s. I don't think there's any question about that. But, again, 357 rushing yards is 357 rushing yards. Like, that's a dominant effort. And, you know, to hold Penn State's offense to to well under 250 yards, I mean, again, like, which team moved the ball better? It was Illinois. And, and they did mm-hmm. that despite turning the ball over three times. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like they were able to at any point take advantage of good field position or anything like that. I mean, they earned those yards. So, yeah, I mean, I hear you only a couple times in the red zone and, and whatnot. But, but again, I from where I sit, from kind of what I do and the way that I look at football games, and, and again, maybe it is old school. Maybe you don't need to dominate the line of scrimmage to win anymore, Steve. But, but in uh, that game, with what Illinois' game plan was, I, I thought they executed really well. And, and I would have told you I thought it was an absurd game plan. I mean, I, I didn't think they'd be able to run the ball like that. I, I get the Muskers out, and, and I know that hurts Penn State up front, but they have been really good defensively, really good against yeah. the run to this point this year. So I, I was surprised that it was successful to the degree that it was. Well, I see. I'm with you all the way, Dave, that you have to, you still have to win games at the line of scrimmage because even if you're throwing the ball a lot, you still have to protect. You've got to win the line of scrimmage to make the whole thing work. So I'm with you all the way in terms of you must win on both sides of the line of scrimmage to, to have a good day, even if it looks like it's a wild, out-of-control game. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm 100% with you. And, you know, look, I'm – I mean, I don't know how shocked you are. I mean, I was shocked by that result. You know, I had someone say to me, was doing kind of the, the in front of the, you know, pre-weekend interviews, whatever you want to call them, kind of the, the radio tour on Friday. Right. And I can't remember which of the various shows it was where someone said, okay, there are three teams that are, you know, three or four touchdown underdogs this weekend. 
And you know, which of those three teams do you think has the, the best chance of winning their game? And those were Indiana and Northwestern and Illinois. And I said none of them. I mean, right. I didn't think this was possible. I, I, and, and then if, if Illinois were the team that you would answer, I would have thought it was because Sean Clifford didn't play in the game. Mm-hmm. As soon as you tell me Sean Clifford's going to play, then I assume he's healthy enough to kind of make an impact in that game. And, and then I thought any chance of, of Illinois having a shot at winning it would have gone out the window. So, again, I mean, I'm, I still I remain somewhat flabbergasted that, that this happened. But I guess, you know, my point is simply I don't think there was any fluke to it on Saturday. So let's get to the format because obviously I don't. Look, I did a three-overtime Orange Bowl. I've done a four-overtime Penn State-Michigan game, so it's not like I haven't done overtime under the old format. But this is the first time I saw, even on TV, the first time I've seen this format live. You and I both know why they're doing it. They're trying to keep the number of plays down for players. Right? I got that. So in watching it play out, what did you think? Well, I think I tweeted at one point, if the goal of this is to minimize the number of plays, they might want to rethink it because (laughs) uh, we were at the point where, I mean, even if you say it's not just necessarily four downs with each possession, right, because you get a first down without scoring. Sure. But but we probably added one and a half to two overtimes worth of possessions with the way that it played out, right, with the kind of six empty possessions for each team and then the matching – seventh possession per play, I should say, for each team. So you're talking about yeah. seven offensive, seven defensive plays. I think most overtimes, like if you went to a third overtime and then did an over-under on seven more plays, I'm guessing most of them would hit the under. I'm yeah. guessing they'd be decided before each side ran seven more plays or before 14 total plays were run. That's my guess. I, again, I, I could be wrong. I haven't, I haven't sat there and studied the numbers. So from that point of view of minimizing plays, I'm not sure to achieve what it wanted to. I was saying on our show today with, with Howard Griffith and Nicole Arbach, I mean, it's not football, right? So if, if you're no. saying to yourself, well, I would like to see games decided in something that most closely resembles what the rest of the game looks like, this isn't it. I mean, I think possessions starting at the 25 are better, frankly. Maybe you start the possessions at the, the 10 or the 15 or whatever it is. Once you get past the first one or the first two, again, bring them closer to the goal line and, and in that way try to minimize the plays. But look, the most important sporting event in the world, if you were to ask people, like, what sporting event matters the most to you across the globe, right. it's the World Cup. That's right. Okay, And the, the World Cup is often decided on something that only vaguely resembles the sport, right? right. The penalty kicks. Right. So, and everyone accepts that result. So, so I mean, I'm not like here to, you know, kind of scream from the top of the mountain that this is an abject failure and we shouldn't do this. It was interesting as we were watching it, Donardo said, we're up on the set and, and Donardo said to, to Howard and Joshua and me, you know, this really is disadvantageous to the team that wants to throw the ball, which is Penn State. Right. The team that wants to run it, Illinois, you know, certainly a lot more of their package they can do from the three-yard line. But Penn State really can't. And he was saying, you know, it would take a lot of chutzpah, although that wasn't exactly the word he used, but something <laughs> resembling that. Uh, but the, the real strategy for Penn State might be to tell their guys to false start 
and to back themselves up five yards to give themselves more room to throw a pass. And, uh, you know, whether or not, I mean, if you didn't convert it, you would, of course, be absolutely, you know, you'd be roundly criticized. But but it does make sense. I mean, just kind of this notion, it's really hard to complete a pass from the three-yard line. It just is. You have no room. I mean, the depth of the field is completely taken away. So not only does this look less like football than the rest of the game, but it even looks less like football than the, the previous overtime format just because you have in many ways taken away the passing game. Right. Well, in the fact, I'll tell you the, the, the part that I had suggested to Jack Ham on our broadcast, I said, gee, you know, as it, you know, you're piling up overtimes here. <laughs> I said, I'm surprised Illinois hasn't put Isaiah Williams back in the Wildcat. And I don't, you know, only because he played quarterback last year. So that, that one, that Okay, so I want to say, I said that like in the fourth overtime. Yeah. I said in the green room, maybe they should give the ball to the most dynamic guy on the field. And it took them like until the eighth to do yeah. it. I mean, what are you doing? I think I suggested it in the sixth, but it's only because I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> I took credit for it on the air too. You, uh, you when we should. were going over the highlight, I, you know, every once in a while I get something right. So the blind oh. squirrel has to, you know, has to pat himself on the back. But yeah, that, that, I mean, that I, means in five I, years I you've got one. That means in five years you've got one. I still have none. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't get why they didn't do that earlier yeah. and. And, you know, I, I, Penn State tried a few different things, too. I mean, you know, I, I, Warren's kind of been their guy back there this year, I guess, right? Um, yep. yep. You know, so maybe you play around with that a bit. I, I don't know. I mean, how many two-point plays do you have? And the answer is, in the case of these two teams, was not many. Not many effective ones, apparently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio, State's off, Ohio State's offensive numbers are bordering on historic halfway through the season. When you watch their offense, what are you seeing? Well, it's pretty close to perfect. I mean, I don't know if you saw Bill Landis' call today. It was great in, in The Athletic. He brought up this stat that is just incredible, which is that in 156, the last 156 plays that Ohio State's offense has run with C.J. Stroud, a quarterback, they have scored 150 points. Oof. 156 plays, Oof. 150 points. So when you are scoring nearly a point per play on average, you're doing something right. I mean, they are they're really good. And I think the thing that's so amazing about it is, like, Travion Henderson, you know, he plays like a half at most, right? right. I mean, they give him like nine or ten carries. The average is nine yards a carry. And, and they put him on the bench because they don't want to get him hurt. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just, like, Stroud is amazing. And now they've, I mean, I think what's even more incredible about it is, you know, now they've got the tight end as part of it. I mean, Jeremy Ruckert had a huge game against yeah. Indiana. They barely used him this year, but he scored a couple touchdowns. And and so, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches on offense. And, and it feels like in this day and age, Steve, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, um, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion. Like, again, this is where philosophies change. And I think Nick Saban is kind of front and center on this. I mean, I used to believe defense won championships. Yep. But I just don't anymore, not in college football. You need to be dynamic on offense, and you need to be good enough on defense. Ohio State wasn't good enough on defense at the beginning of the year. They seem to be now, although they haven't really played a great offense in a while. 
Uh, but if you're good enough on defense and you look like that on offense, I think you got a great chance. You know, that, I'm glad you brought that up because actually last year when Alabama won the national title and I was doing the show and I said of the seven titles that Nick has, <laughs> that's kind of fun to think about, seven titles he has, I said this is probably in relative terms his weakest defense. I said, because he now understands that you need to be great on offense, and if you're great on offense, you can take care of enough on defense to win. In other words, I think any defensive coordinator that's hired these days, Dave, that new defensive coordinator being brought in by a head coach is being asked to get one more stop each half. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And and so and, and so now kind of the, the whole – Philosophy of how you build your program shifts a little bit, which isn't to say, like, look, Georgia has an unbelievable defense, and they are the odds-on favorite to win the national championship this year. They are good on offense. Mm-hmm. They're incredible on defense. So, I mean, if yes. you're out of sight, out of this world on defense, I do think you can win. But I don't think you have to be. You can win, in other words, win a national championship. But I don't think you have to be out of, this, out of sight on defense. But I kind of think you need to be out of sight on offense. Yep. I mean, I think you need to be like, oh, my goodness, how in the world are we going to stop these guys? And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to think of it that way. And, again, it's, I'm somewhat reluctant to do so because kind of that's not my DNA. It's not the way I've thought about football as a fan and as a journalist for all these years. But I just think it's obvious that's the direction it's going in. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm Jack Ham and I have talked about this many times. Like, yeah, a 31-24 game, 28-24 game. But we're at the point in college football where, like, you're going to get some games that are 42-39. And that's just the way it's going to be. You have to, quote, outscore somebody. And I think that's just the way college football is. Instead of putting your best athletes on defense, coaches are putting their best athletes on offense. Fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, like, look, there are freaks on defense all over the place. I mean, I don't know sure. if you watch Oregon at all, but like yeah. Kayvon Thibodeau, we were watching that game <laughs> he's uh, in the green room. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he's crazy, yeah. right? Like, he is just, you know, he's unblockable. Carl Oftis, unblockable. I mean, there are guys out yeah. there, you just, there's no way to stop them. Um, but, but again, I'm with you. I mean, I, I do think your your best guys, certainly your best kind of your speediest guys, you could yep. play him at corner, or you could play him at receiver. Put him at receiver. Yeah, I've, and you and I feel the same way about it because I'm still somebody who thinks about the defensive part of it a lot because of the era I was up like you were, but you have to realize what the reality is today. So, Dave, always a pleasure. It was great to drop a few plays in the mud. We don't know. you know. In theory, they all work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know if I ever get the Bucknell job, too. If you do, we'll have you on every Monday. We'll we'll let you have you on every Monday if you do and kind of make it a coach's show. Seriously? Well, I don't want to. I mean, I'm sure the other guy's doing a bang up job, so I don't want to in any way (laughs) intimate that he's not. Exactly. But for some reason, he ever retires, let's say. Yes. Maybe I could be considered. And if you need a defensive coordinator. I'm around. <laughs> All right, Steve. Dave, thank you. Okay, Sam. <laughs> All right, Dave Revson, BTN. That's the only problem we have right now. Um, 
is Matt always does an awesome job of communicating stuff to me, but our internal communication is struggling a little bit right now. I'm, not th- I'm talking about, like, there's a screen, and I know they're trying to work and straighten it out. Aren't you, Matt? Yeah, we are. <laughs> Which means you, you, you're making the suit do it. Let's say this is going as well as the Eagles' defense played yesterday. But your quarterback didn't play great. Oh, true. How about this? The whole team. <laughs> like no, no offense, but I mean, yeah, no. One, one guy's thirty-one to thirty-four. The other guy's seventeen to thirty-four. Who won? Yeah, yeah. There's that too. There's that too. But yeah. Who do you got? You got the, the Lions next, right? Yeah, and let me tell you something. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> they they actually played the Rams tough yesterday. Yeah, there is a legitimate chance they will lose Sunday, which would any, which would be officially rock bottom for this team. There's a rumor right, that that every network turned it down. <laughs> no, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, back with more in a moment. We're on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. The weather is getting cooler and the leaves are changing in central PA. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. If your current agent is falling short, it's time to give Purdy Insurance a call. We're a local, family-owned, independent agency ready to find the right insurance to fit your needs. You can call us at 570-286-5855, stop in our office on Market Street in Sunbury, or head to our website at purdyinsurance.com to find out what we can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, boat, motorcycle. I mean, there's all sorts of insurance needs out there. Purdy Insurance will find you the right insurance, best price every time. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. I was saying before, Matt and I have, there's a communication. and You'll have to text me once in a while. Matt, if somebody calls right now, you're literally going to have to tell me if they call at the moment. I can do that. So far, because, so good, but we'll see. I'm just saying only because I have the message on the screen and yeah, and what it does, it blocks everything else. I mean, I couldn't even read the message you had because it blocks the message board, too. So it's like, oh, so that's, why, that's why I wasn't sure which Dave I had the last half hour. <laughs> but I thought we handled it well. Yeah. So... There we are. Um, boy, last game of the season coming up for the suit and the Chief. Maybe in the playoffs, Chief can go help out some other networks, and then he can talk. I'd love to bring him on TV with me. Might as well. I mean, might as well do that this weekend. You, sir, are... In fact, don't even tell the suit and see if he notices. (laughs) 
Well, actually, I'm doing the Battle for the Little Brown Jug on TV this week, so maybe we can do that. That is... Just change it up. Is that Lewisburg Mifflinburg? Correct. See, over the years, I've picked up a few things. You have? Yeah. Picked up a few things over the years. I'm trying to pay attention to what goes on in the Old Valley, so... Yeah. All right. Good, so that's coming up this weekend. Uh... What's the Monday night game tonight? The Monday night game is another one. It's Seattle, it's Seattle, right? Yeah, Seattle hosting New Orleans. I, I describe this as the uh, Monday night toilet yeah, but, bowl game. But how about Thursday? Oh yeah, see, that's see the fantastic. Game is Arizona Green Bay. It's going to be one mackerel. of the better games of the year. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Slowly but surely, it's not every week, but slowly but surely, Thursday night football is getting better games. But I don't know if they thought this was going to be a better game. When they did, it just turned out that way. Arizona's supposed to be improving, but you know, not a team above 500. Right. There right. was a little luck involved, yeah. I mean, you do have to, every time a schedule is put together for TV, there's got to be some luck involved in it, especially on the Sunday-Monday games. Because you know, those are, except for the late-season flex games... That's your schedule. And every once in a while, you get into, like, you know, now we all knew the Patriots-Buccaneers game. Everybody, you know, that was going to be a highly watched game regardless of the records because of Brady and Foxborough. I got it. Okay? But most of, like, you didn't really have a lot of great choices this weekend. So they get San Francisco and the Colts in a driving rainstorm. Um yeah, they weren't a lot of great choices in college football over the weekend. I mean, your primetime games in college football, I thought the best one I wanted to watch in terms of, like, I thought would be competitive was Air Force Colorado State. I mean, I didn't think Alabama was going to be competitive with Tennessee, right? Um, I didn't think – I mean, I watched some of the – I didn't think Notre Dame – was going to be competitive. What was the final score of that thing? I mean, because it, it was thirty-one sixteen. USC made it kind of interesting late, but Notre Dame held them off. But it was mostly yeah. dominated by Notre Dame for a good three quarters, at least. Yeah. Um. And I think I, I think I said Air Force College. I'm at Air Force San Diego State. Um, and it's either way, that's it, not what college football wants. Says they're no, no I'm saying game. though, but I mean that was that was on CBS Sportsnet, right? Exactly. Uh, so not everybody so can watch it anyway. Alabama, Tennessee, eh. Ohio State, Indiana. I mean, I watched, you know, two and a half quarters of that because it's the next opponent, and of course that's out of control. That's out of hand. So then I flip it over to, to Air Force San Diego State playing Colorado Springs, and it ended up being a twenty to fourteen game. Yeah. Um, okay. Listen, I'm not suggesting at all, at all, that Penn State is going to win this game Saturday, but Ohio State's opponents the last four weeks, embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. They have yeah. not been tested once these last four weeks. Right. You know what Dave was talking about with the offense? Neither neither side of the ball has played a real opponent the last four weeks of the of the season. I know I get you've had Big Ten opponents, but Maryland's pathetic, and Indiana's pretty close to it too. 
Well, especially the quarterback situation in Indiana is awful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Grant, Grant, Grant Gremmel was playing a quarterback the other night because Jack Tuttle got hurt. Jeez. At least when Tuttle was in there, it felt like it gave them a, at least a puncher's chance. And they went to the freshman. The freshman's not ready to play in a game like that. Grant Gremmel's not ready to play in a game like that. You know, they don't have Penix. So they got a problem. And that is, uh, they played, and the interesting, when they lost Oak, uh, Oregon, Dave Revson was talking about Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, Thibodeau was a great, great player. I mean, he is top five NFL draft pick. I think he has a chance, should he stay injury-free, of having an excellent NFL career. He didn't even play in the Ohio State game. Remember, he was hurt. He didn't play. It makes what Oregon, what they did in Columbus, even more impressive. But I, don't, I think people don't realize, though, is that uh, is when Oregon won that game, you know, of course, Rodrell was the running back, and he played really well at that, but he's now out for the year. That's caused some problems for Joe Moorhead in terms of what they're doing offensively. But even in that game that they played, uh, Stroud still threw for 484 yards in that game. You realize that? 484. Oh, yeah. He's quietly had a good year. Quietly. He's he's, really, he's got 22 touchdowns and three picks. This is really good. And look, Wilson's really good. Olave's terrific. They're both terrific receivers. Jackson and Digma Smith. Really, really good. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. got into the game the other night, so he's starting to get in the mix. I know you're all asking about Julian Fleming's not playing. I think I believe he's hurt, but he wasn't really playing much before anyway. So I don't know what they want to do with him. But right now, Marvin Harrison be in front. Of him. There's another freshman that's probably in front of him too. Kid returns punts too. So, but I think Julian, I think might be hurt. And check that out, because you know Ohio State does. They'll they'll list late in the week who's in and who's out. They do it late in the week. Uh, for example, like Master Teague, you know they announced that he was out. Okay, going into the game. This is last week. They have fourteen guys that were out. You know, so, you know, and some are walk-ons. You know. Some are walk-ons that you know, guys you don't know, and some are you know, significant players that you do know. Okay, let's see. Ohio State injury report. Let me just see. Availability for the game. This is the Indiana game. This is in Penn State. Unavailable: Cameron Babb, Marcus Crowley, Jansen Dunn, Tyler Friday, who's out for the year. Jacqueline Johnson, Jalen Johnson, Jaden McKenzie's defensive tackle. Mitchell Melton, a lot of these guys don't play. Now, Harry Miller's a good player. Uh, he's out for the year. Noah Potter. Now, Josh Proctor is also out for the year. G. Scott, Master Teague, and uh, Vamachi, who's another offensive lineman. No, Julian Fleming is not listed on the unavailable list. Okay? But he did not play at all in the game on Saturday night. So, I don't know. Marvin Harrison Jr. did. The other freshman also played in the game. The other freshman wide out. 
So that is of local, but he's not listed on the injury report. Okay, we're going to have Bob Nightingale tomorrow. Okay, Major League Baseball almost certain to have first work stoppage in 26 years, according to a report. Ron Blum, Associated Press, writes, The current collective bargaining agreement, the negotiated document that governs all aspects of the working relationship between players and teams, expires on December 1st. According to the veteran reporter Blum, neither side expects the new CBA to be hammered out before them. Blum writes, quote, Negotiations have been taking place since last spring, and each side thinks the other has not made proposals that will lead toward an agreement replacing the five-year contract that expires at 11.59 on December 1st. Bill Madden, New York Daily News, I'm hearing is a prelude to a likely lockout by the owners December 1st. The winter meetings in Orlando are being canceled. Labor stoppages have happened before once the current CBA expires as a lever to hasten negotiations. Given how far we are from spring training 2022, there's no reason at this point to fret over any kind of altered schedule or lost games. As well, the December 1st expiration date is, at this writing, still more than a month away. A December 1 lockout, however, would be almost in essence to put a freeze on the free free agency process. And if that lockout drags on the off-season calendar, it could become too compressed for a normal run-up to the 22 season. While as noted, players and owners have enjoyed a long run of labor peace, unprecedented since the uh, CBA was first hammered out in the late 60s, several complicated economic issues make for another such off-season less likely. The players, as represented by the Major League Baseball Players Association, likely have an ambitious negotiating agenda designed to recapture a dwindling share of league revenues, push back against the tanking phenomenon that seems choose to be non-competitive, and address service time manipulation by clubs. That's hardly an exhaustive list, but it hints at a broad scope of the current talks. By the way, one other baseball note. The Cardinals today are expected to name Ali Marmel as their new manager. And I'm I'm thrilled about that. Ali managed two years here in State College. He was on this show and on this station. How many times do you think we had Ali on? Well, I guess you weren't on with us then. We probably had Ali on this show a dozen, 15 times. And it looks like he's going to be the new manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Been their bench coach. And I think Mike Schultz got a shot at getting the uh, – uh, I think Mike Schultz has a shot at getting the uh, Padres job. So Ollie, Ollie's only 35, you know. So good for him, man. He is, he is a really terrific guy. That's why I tell the story about lineups. Remember, I've told the story about lineups. You can get to a winner-take-all in the Tony LaRusso philosophy. Ollie is the one that came up to me in the restaurant. He says, hey, Steve, you know, yeah, literally, this is napkins. Like, kind of laughed. The old story, they wrote it down on a napkin. He had four napkins, and they had four different lineups. And so we're just like, just, you know, just chit-chat for the sake of chit-chat, right? And he said, what do you think of the four? And I finally went around and said, I finally got to the fourth one. I said, well, that's your best offensive lineup. It included a catcher as a DH, 
a guy that had some power. Uh, didn't play that often because they had, you know, they had a terrific defensive catcher on that team, right? And it included an infielder playing left field because it gave them another bat in the lineup, and they took the left fielder and made him the first baseman because that that they kept his bat in the lineup. And so I said, "Well, that's your best offensive lineup." He goes, "Yeah." He said, "That's the Tony Larusa philosophy." So that's the lineup I'm going to go with. And they they won. They scored six runs in the first inning and kind of walked away with it that night and won the championship. But, yeah, I'm thrilled for Ollie. Only 35 years old, and he's got the job. And I'm hoping uh, Schulte ends up getting the uh, Padres job. I think that'd be great if he did. All right. That's just personal. Happy for him. You know. Guests who have had the show that you know, suits sitting in the corner office go, we did? How many times? 15? 16? Wow. No, we senor! No, senor! No, senor! Hmm. But then we had to tell him, we had to remind him he was still working with the chief on Friday nights. It's like, so. Get the lingerie on the deck, call the janitor. Hey, when we have the chief on Thursdays, how great does he sound? Always. I mean, word, word keep, every time I'm listening to him on Thursday, I always think of one word over and over again. Underutilized. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You, sir, are my hero. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Is James Franklin the front runner, as I've reported? Uh, I, I think I think there's a lot of front runners right now, and that's why I like where we're sitting. I mean, we we had the first hot seat open up. You can't have a so lot that, of front runners, Carson. You can have a front I mean, runner. You've got Penn State, you've got Iowa State, you've got Cincinnati, you've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin. That, that if Mike Tomlin wants out, and and it, I think. You know, at the end of the day, there is not a direct. That's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a there, there's a lot of great options. Has has and Mike USC, Tomlin hypothetically been discussed? Uh, I I'm sure he has. I think I think anybody is a potential candidate right now, and that's what's so great about the job is it can lure an NFL guy in that's tired of their current situation and worried about. Is Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger gone? Is he done? Who are we going to draft? Do I have, does Mike Tomlin have to start over with a first-round young rookie quarterback? Mm. You know, everybody's on the table, being that that job is so big and so coveted. 
Um, you know, I think I think there's a bunch of people that that are in the discussion. And once we get to week 16, 17 of the NFL season and the college football season is over, we'll have a direct front runner. Well, that was a bunch of gibberish. All right. Um, Jeepers, <laughs> oh, cat. I figured that was going to be your reaction, but I wanted just to play it anyway since it was like a double whammy. I don't believe Wait, any of that for a second but what, either, I but... Mean, what did what did any of that even mean? Didn't mean anything. <laughs> Just like randomly throwing names out there. I I think though, Carson Palmer caught himself probably caught him put himself in that situation by talking out of turn. If he is involved in these these negotiations and interviews processes with USC, that's what made it kind of intriguing because he says he's involved in this. But I mean, I, like I said, I don't believe any of that for a second. Tomlin or James Franklin? Well, no, I'm just saying, I mean, I have no idea, but I'm just saying, sitting there going, what the heck's he talking about? I mean, it's, it's, it's I don't know. That's, yeah. I'm just going to talk to seem like I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, and then you sit there and go, what, 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 what did you say? Oh, man. One thing at least we'll say, if we don't really know, we'll tell you. We don't really know, or we'll point out and say, you know what, I'd talk about this, but I'd, I'd be talking out of turn. I've used that expression how many times? I'd be talking out of turn. And that's the reason why, because you don't want to sit there and just make some stuff up as you go and act like you've got sources. Like, all right, for all we, I don't even know if you ever even met the athletic director. <laughs> Just for Carson Palmer's sake, the athletic director is Mike Bone. Just thought I would mention that. It's it's so interesting about these jobs, is that you know you had Gene Stallings at one point, and Stallings to his credit won the national championship. But from the end of Bear Bryant, with the exception of that small window with Stallings, Alabama took forever before they got to Nick Saban. Texas was the same thing from Daryl Royal until they got Mac Brown. And really, Pete Carroll has been the only guy since John Robinson that really had USC where they are. I mean, it may be a gigantic name job, one of the top brand names, but that doesn't mean you hit, and it's always like that. That's why, to me, when you got a guy, keep the guy. When you got a guy, keep the guy. 